Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fabulous 14th of December 2023? You heard that right. It is now the second week of December, the last month of the year, the first month before the first month of next year. It's just an amazing time. An amazing time. Uh, I don't know. It's been pretty good. We're, we're we're doing good, people. We're doing good. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We're doing okay. Like, uh, I hate this time of year, if I'm honest with you. Uh, just between you, me, and the wall. There's something about consistently dark, cold days that is not great. Uh, but that said, I find plenty of reasons uh, to be excited uh, and, uh, and joyful. And uh, some of those are the amazing... Um, sort of rounds of innovation happening in the spring projects. Obviously, I uh, I wouldn't be so consistently at my desk, so bushy-eyed and, no, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but for spring, uh, not just the best season, but also the best framework. And, um, and it, this week's no different. I have been having so much fun. Have you been looking at all the cool stuff going on in spring AI? There is a bevy, a plethora, a multitude of cool things happening in that project right now. Uh, right now, it's undergoing a major refactoring, so tempted though I am to do a, a video, and by the way, I just might, I still just might, um, uh, tempted though I am to do a video, I, I think I'm going to abstain for like a minute, uh, because they're doing some major refactorings, it's still early days yet, uh, the Astute will have noticed that it's since moved from experimental, the Spring Project's experimental incubator Git repository, or org, or whatever, uh, to the now uh, sort of more intended for a direct mainstream audience, Spring-Projects, uh, uh, Spring-AI. Um, and here it is, oh my goodness, it is so amazing what's possible now, right? Remember, the goal here, friends, is it's manyfold. For a lot of people, um, just being able to ask questions of the AI and, and do so in a way that's uh, repeatable, scalable, et cetera, um, is useful. And when I say the AI, that already implies a question and therefore some work to resolve. Uh, that question is, are you using open AI, you know, the engine behind chat GPT. Uh, if so, which model are you using? Are you using 3.5, 4.0, Turbo, blah, blah, blah? Um, or, you know, alternatively, are you using a different kind of model, different kind of modality, like uh, the Dolly uh, image AI, right? The image generating AI, that's also part of open AI. Or Whisper, which is the audio to text transcription AI, right? There's a lot of different when we say AI, when we say asking questions of the AI, there's a lot of different things you have to peel back, even when you agree uh, that we're going to just use open AI, which seems to, by by dint of having been the thing that splashed onto the scene and turned the world around onto, onto AI last November, uh, seems to be the most prevalent choice. Um, but one thing you might have noticed is that uh, a open AI is anything but. It's not all that open anymore, right? Um, it used to be OpenAI 3.5 is open. You can download the models and you can use it and, and all that good stuff. Um, but 4.0, not so much. And so there's a, a booming space uh, in the AI world around which models uh, are open source or or not, not open source, but they're open insofar as you can download the models. And that in turn implies another question, which is where do you get the models, right? Um, the models are trained on data sets, presumably uh, the larger the data set, the better. Who's got the largest data set? And who does a better job of scaling up the training of that uh, model based on that data set? That, that company wins, or that organization wins. And so, you know, 
you got to think uh, OpenAI with its connection to uh, Microsoft and Azure infrastructure and maybe Bing and whatever, I don't know, uh, has a pretty huge uh, sample set, right? So does Google. They've got their Gemini, their new AI, Gemini, the multi-modal Gemini uh, model that's behind Bard. Uh, you got to think that you, one imagines that uh, given that they index the entire freaking internet, that they're going to be able to do some pretty interesting stuff. Um, but, you know, what about the rest of us? Well, there are some other alternatives out there. And um, people are making these models available. The, the result of the training, you put some input data, you train the model on the data, and then that creates a thing that you can then serialize off the disk and then ship, and that's called the model. These models themselves are different from the inputs, right? The models might be several gigabytes, but they're not petabytes. They're not uh, exabytes. They're not nearly so big as as is possible. You know, you could you could train something on a sufficiently large set of data, and the resulting model is going to be in a very efficient sort of form uh, of that data. Okay, and uh, so that model, even if you don't have every page on the internet, or even millions of pages on the internet, right? Uh, you still benefit from having the model because the model is what you can plug in and ask questions. Now, you don't get updates to that, right? You have to, somebody has to train the model on the latest and greatest uh, and then give that give that new version to you. But having free open access to the models themselves is kind of interesting. And so there are a lot of uh, sort of interesting stories uh, in that space right now. Uh, there's a, a, a Llama, of course, you know, from Meta. There's Oh, what else? There's a, a Mistral, which is the new one that just dropped a new uh, open model. And again, their their inputs are not open, but the model itself is. And it looks pretty good. People are trying it out and, and they're having really sort of intuitive, natural conversations. And it's, it's you can download it for free. As far as I know, there are no, I don't think there are any uh, terms of use for even like scalability requirements. Uh, at least I haven't read anything about that. But certainly with Meta, for example, their quote unquote open model isn't uh, unlimited like if you if you become you know google scale then they're gonna i guess you need to talk to them right you can't just assume that you have access to it in perpetuity for whatever scale uh, so you have to be you have to be wary of all this but anyway all that to say uh there's lots of different models lots of different engines lots of different modalities within those engines so spring ai intends to uh, to the extent humanly possible right um uh connect you to those things and just being able to ask questions of those models and integrate them into your Spring application is a huge deal. Already, you're already ahead, right? Because there's intense intrinsic value in being able to ask questions of your uh, of your model that are, uh, you know, maybe even generic. You know, um, so the question then becomes, okay, well, let's suppose I want to ask it a question, but I need to give it some context to understand how to answer, right? I need to give it some information that it can use to inform its response to me. Well, this is a different question, and this gets us into the pattern of RAG, retrieval augmented uh, uh, generation, right? Um, where the idea here being that you inform, you you feed the AI some data that it then in turn uses to uh, come up with a response. And this is a whole pipeline. This gets you into questions of Okay, well, how do I read the documents? How do I read the data? Do I need readers for PDF data or HTML or whatever? Sure, you do. So projects like Apache Tika uh, and uh, and uh, others like that become very important. Okay, well, once I've got that, I need to put that where? Where do I put that data 
in a way that the AI can use it? Well, you want to put that in a vector database. Vector database gives you the ability to basically pick a direction, pick a, a you know, find things that are similar in sentiment uh, to what you're looking for, right? Um, and so there's lots of different vector databases. Postgres has a module called PG Vector, but you can also do it in memory. There's a implementation in Spring AI for that. Uh, and it's just math, right? It's just really, really incredibly complex, but working math. Uh, you can also do, um, you know, third-party vector databases, of which there are many. You can use, I think you can use Neo4j as a vector database now too, right? The graph database, no surprise, works nicely there as well. So there's just a lot of really interesting integrations there. You want to store the data that you've ingested there. Uh, and then when you ask the question, you need to be able to point to that data. You need to be able to pull it out and get similar documents that you can then uh, dump into the prompt that you send to the AI, right? So all of this is encompassed when we talk about, uh, you know, Spring AI. All of this is um, part of the purview of Spring AI. And there's a whole ecosystem. I, I've kind of skipped over some of this stuff. Like, for example, what happens if I want to, uh, you know, when you, you, when you use an AI, um, you have a limited number of, of tokens that you can send. Tokens don't map one-to-one -one with words. They map to, they map to a granular sort of unit uh, that you see discussed in all the AI uh, language models, the large language models, the LLMs, uh, where basically they can, you know, how much data can you send to them? How much text, how much whatever can you send to them uh, and still have them keep it in memory, right? The, the more data you can send, the better, right? Because if I, if I want to, let's say I want to analyze uh, the text of War and Peace, I want it to write a nice summary of the text of War and Peace. Well, I need to feed it. Well, it probably has, you know, it's an old enough book, but let's suppose it didn't. I need to feed it that information um, uh, so that it can then give me an answer, right? If it doesn't know what I'm talking about, how is it supposed to analyze it or process it or do anything with it? Um, and so, you know, what model can I send War and Peace to? Actually, not that many, right? I, I don't think there's any that I know of. Uh, but so that brings you to the question of, okay, well, if I can't just dump that all into there, then how do I break it into chunks? Right. How do I, and so there's questions of NLP, natural language processing, where I want to take a bunch of text and summarize. Let's say I, I do whatever, every chapter, and then I, I use a summarization NLP uh, technique to summarize each chapter, and then I concatenate all the chapter summaries together. Is that enough to fit within the context window? Maybe. If not, you got to summarize it again, you know, like keep going down until you get something that you can fit in the context of the request. So that you can get a response. So that whole pipeline, that 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 re refinement of data, you know, all that is in the purview of Spring AI, and it's just coming. It's it's growing by leaps and bounds every day. And um, you know, for my part, I've been contributing uh, uh, quality of life stuff. You know, I've been doing like. Uh, and by the way, this is what I'm trying to tell you, friends. Is first of all, this is a great time. If you know about AI, we want to hear from you. We want your input. We've certainly gotten a lot of attention. We've got people from all around the world. Uh, eagerly contributing to Spring AI, um, but uh, we, you know, surely there's room for more. And and then second of all, um, you know, I'm doing things that are just sort of like, okay, it doesn't work with native images, Gravium. Okay, fix that. That's not like, you don't need to have a PhD in AI to to make that work. That's just I want to make this better for everybody who's using Spring or more idiomatic or more natural or whatever. And and the fact that we can do that now, the fact that uh, I can work in these abstractions and because they're Spring, I, I, I'm on familiar footing. That's a wonderful thing, friends. I, I, I quite like Spring AI. I've been using it a lot. Uh, you know, just, I mean, imagine every text field you've ever 
put in a in an app somewhere now having a little thing that allows you to um to get input on that you know i mean even if even if you just do that that's valuable you know there's so many interesting things here that will make your applications that much better um yeah so i i've been i, I love spring AI. i can't wait for you all to try it um friends ai is super important uh but obviously that's a little artificial and here we are uh, it's the holidays and uh, the holidays of course for me are all about well coming together community and family and that that kind of thing and uh, one of the best events i've been to this year apart from spring one of course it's obligatory but uh voluntary uh you know confession of love for spring one um uh, aside i i really really loved devox belgium this year and i've tried so very hard to put my thumb on it but one of the things i loved about it was just that that sense of we are in the middle of an amazing moment in time and look at all of us we've been in these in these trenches before and here we are again and uh it is good to see you all my friends you know that that sense of of camaraderie but also this excitement this tepid excitement standing in the precipice of all that is and all that will be in the next year you know um java 21 ai the singularity project loom GraalVM. i mean all these things just they are night and day difference you know if you had asked me about uh the the if i if i had an nlp toolkit to summarize the zeitgeist of devox in 2010 and i did so again this year we would end up at entirely different answers but despite the fact that the characters and the culture of DevOx hasn't all that much changed, right? There's more audience and newer speakers, but so many of us that were there decades ago are there now, and that's great. And yet we're no longer talking about HTML5. We're not talking about this new thing called Android. We're not talking about, um, you know, the the new, I mean, I suppose we might be talking about new JPA, but my point is that that whole, that whole dimension is just different now, you know? We're talking about the freaking singularity AI, you know, uh, I can, I can, I can have it render a picture that would have taken a human being days or weeks to render in us in 30 seconds, completely brand new imagery that has never existed on this planet before. It's, re it's, it's, it's reductive almost, but it is quite impressive. And if that doesn't inspire you to do bigger and better, if that doesn't give us the, the sort of, uh, the, the knowledge work equivalent of an abstraction, my goodness, I don't know what will. And that conference really enabled that for me. It gave me this incredible conversation um, with all these people in the community that I hadn't seen in a minute, right? I don't travel nearly so much as I used to in 2019, uh, unfortunately. Um, hopefully that changes soon. I don't know. We'll find out. But um, all that to say, it is it is just so, it was so good to be at that community. I had so many great conversations. One of those great conversations, I, you know, this year I had the good, uh, good, uh, good uh, foresight to turn on the microphone. <laughs> you know, I try and do that whenever I can. I turn on the microphone and I talk to Laurent Brudeau and Yassine Kadash. These are, um, uh, they work on Microx, which is a, a framework for testing microservices. And they've got a nice integration with Spring. And uh, it was a good conversation uh, held, hopefully, in the relatively tranquil uh, asides uh, uh, at DevOx Belgium. So, friends, I hope you enjoy. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday if it's... Uh, a holiday for you, like for example, Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah to those who are celebrating. And of course, soon, I can't believe I'm saying this, but 11 days from now will be Christmas day. Uh, and then, you know, three, what is that? Three weeks? Yeah, exactly. It's about three weeks from now. Um, uh, what is that? 21, eh, two and a half weeks, three weeks, basically three weeks. It'll be 2024. Can you believe it? 
2024. Uh, so, yeah, let's just dive right into it, my friends. Have a great, great weekend, a great day. Enjoy this episode. I had a lot of fun. Good stuff. Go check out Mike Rocks, um, Mike Rock, uh, and uh, Mike Rocks, M I C R C K S, I think. Let me check. Yeah, M-I-C-R-O-C-K-S dot I-O. Go check it out. Enjoy this episode. See you next time. Fait quelque chose pour se connecter, non? Moi, je suis mon box. Okay, let's see. Can people hear me? That's the real question. Is it... How are we doing, my friends? Everybody, can everybody in the chat, just let me know. Can you hear me? Am I audible? Mm -hmm. Chat. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, let's see. Good afternoon from India. Wow, what a small world. Okay, we got some people. Can you hear us? Yes, they can hear us. Yes. yes. Okay. Is it very loud? Can you hear the background noise, or does it sound like I'm in a room, just just me with you? It is loud, or is or you can hear me very well. We're using uh, AI noise canceling, and. Uh, as with all things AI, you need to check its work a couple of times before you trust it. So can everybody hear me? All right, good. All right, good stuff. Hi, everybody. So you want to join? Okay, let me see. I'm going to add you both. Uh, here you go. Say, say, hey, everybody. Did I mispronounce that? Oh, perfect. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Um, um, I, we're at the Talks. How are you enjoying the show? show? Yes. Yeah, sure. it's, it's a great, great day. day. Right? Uh, uh, you're muted over there, there, right? Okay. okay. Or, or, I mean, actually, no, it probably doesn't matter as long as I don't hear it on this side. I bet I can just do that. There you go. So you don't, you don't have to mute yourself now. Okay. okay. I think they can still hear me. And you can, can hear me as well. But, but they, if you have your microphone and they don't have the AI noise kinds thing, I don't know. Maybe, whatever. As long as they can, as long as it's fine. Good with your voice. Yeah. Something to be good. Okay. 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 There's echo. Echo? I yeah, that's what Martin has written. Perfect now. Okay. Okay, good. All right, my friends. Good stuff. So um I'm we're at DevOps Belgium, one of the best shows uh uh in in well, I mean the planet, right? Obviously. Um it is the I don't know, is it the biggest Java show now? I think that maybe DevOps France has gotten a little bit bigger, but still one of the best shows. And uh I one of the one of the nice things about DevOps is you can just sit down and meet interesting people. So I bumped into my friend Sebastian Blanc, uh, who is, uh, you know, the best and uh, old friend. And so we we were talking, and then he, he and I were just standing there, and then some other people bumped into him, and uh, I made some new friends. So I, it's nice to meet you both. Uh, yeah. And you were showing me something really cool. I, I I it's if you're building APIs, you're gonna care about today's discussion, uh, which is basically how to do, how to mock and how to uh, test your APIs given a contract, given some sort of contract. And obviously um, you've heard me talk at length, I'm sure about things like Spring Cloud contract and the like. Uh, and so this is a different approach. 
Uh, and I, you know, also kind of interesting. And I just like that it works well uh, with spring. So I just wanted to talk about it today. And I appreciate you both taking the time to show us uh, what's what. Um, what's the motivation? Like, why, why build this instead of just sleeping in that day? Like, why, <laughs> like you had a choice between some coffee and a nice <laughs> sit in the cafe uh, and uh, some some nice air and stuff and a baguette or whatever. You you could have done that. Yeah. But instead, you built this. What's the? Oh, that's a good good question. In fact. Started as a side project was uh, yeah six or seven years ago, and at that time I started playing with a lot of different kinds of API. So obviously REST was already strong, but started playing with GraphQL. Also did some tests with uh, with gRPC, and I realized that those different kinds of APIs were there to to stay to coexist, and so. I was looking for a tool to have, um, let's say, a uniform approach for mocking and testing them. Right. We found nothing. So that was the starting point, and I decided to start uh, Microx at that time. Oh, wow. Wow, okay. And so this is an open source uh, project. What's the license, by the way? Yeah, the, this is an APH2 license. To open Apache 2. Project. Yes, okay. Apache 2. So fully open source since, uh, yes, uh, six years, and now... We are fully, with your scene, we are fully dedicated to the project. We are working full-time on the project since, since uh, six months now, and we just joined uh, the CNCF this summer. So we are now uh, uh, the CSCNF uh, sandbox project. Cool. Yeah, that's very cool. That's a big deal because that's hard to, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, felicitations, congratulations. Thank that's you. really great. Um, uh, and it's also uh, it's uh, a rare win, I think, because I, you don't see a lot of Java projects at the CNCF. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, well done, well done, huh? Uh, good job. Not yeah. a lot of developer tool as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of infrastructure, but not yeah. so. This is a big deal, right? I'm a, I'm excited about this. Um, and and it has the key ingredients, which is it works well with Spring uh, and test containers, which I love, uh, both of which I love. So I'm just really I'm just keen on showing uh, and seeing it and and all that stuff. Uh, the other thing that you the other thing you told me is it's sort of driven by contracts of all different shapes and sizes. So it's very sort of um, uh, flexible in that yeah. regard. Yeah, exactly. What we absolutely want to do when we do, we start in Microx is not to um, invent another way of uh, specific doing specification. So the mantra is to reuse all the things we could already have in the organization. So right. it could be... Open API, Swagger files, it could be gRPC protobuf definitions, it could be GraphQL schema, and it could be also Postman collections. Yeah. So whatever you already have, you can fill my crops with these existing artifacts and it will provide, yes, smart simulations and contract tests for you. That's so cool. Okay, and it is really smart. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, is there AI? Is there, just say the magic words, there's AI. Yeah, yeah, so... For Easy funding granted, you know? We, we yeah. have it inside already. Yeah, yeah. inside already. So we, we have it at two, two different layers. So the first one is when we uh, uh, ingest a new contract. So we are trying, yes, to guess the most smartest routing rules so that when you ask for, let's say, a specific request, you have, a, let's say, an adapted response to your, to your needs. And we also have AI now on the phase where it comes to generate samples because on Microx, we rely on the, the different request response samples you may find on, on the different assets. But you can also use AI to help you generate new samples for you to enrich your data sets of samples. If you're a lazy one and do not want to describe anything, you can just ask 
OpenAI yeah. to give you new sample for oh, enriching your, your data center. That is dynamite. That's okay. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. I guess we, we've enough suspense. I think we just kind of need to see it in action. So do you want to yeah. do it? First of all, close all the sensitive emails yeah. that you've got all Slack instances, anything with your note, all that stuff. You should just disable that now before you go live. Okay. On the internet, do you have your notifications muted? Yes, everything is muted. So you that's closed your... Slack and FaceTime and all the stuff, right? I just remember you don't want you don't want people seeing stuff, and it's live, so there's no way to undo it, right? Yes, um, everything is closed. I have no shame, so it's never really bothered me. So that's okay for me. Okay, I can present my screen. Okay, so yeah, you just add your screen. Yeah, share my screen. Yeah. Uh, share screen and. The whole screen open source all of your data okay everything is now it's fully wide, rest, wide. So. but i mean now his inbox and everything is you know we've open sourced the pixels of his laptop screen so okay be very careful so my screen is shared i don't know if you can see my screen. Ooh, i have to add it oh sorry 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 it's josh yeah um i'm new at this uh, <laughs> streaming thing okay go yeah. team go, go go ahead so just give you, yes, so this is purely open source. This is Microsoft.io, so give it a check and you will see this little schema. It's a bit ugly right now, but yeah, you can see you can fill Microsoft with everything you already have in your organization and right. try to, yes, to try smart mocks and contractors for you. So just let me show you what we have in for, for developers. So we, we just play with a small de demonstration right here. So a small uh, application that is a Spring Boot one. So we are focused on this order service application right here. And this order service application relies on a third party application, an external one that gives you, uh, yes, uh, availabilities for pastries, for example. We are we are pastry shop. Right, say. okay, okay. okay. And um, so you did that. So in th that morning when you could have gone to the cafe and gotten a pastry and a exactly. coffee, but instead you chose to build this. You still wanted the pastry, I can tell. It's in your demo now. Exactly. So I'm a food lover, so and yeah. I like French pastry. So yeah. right. So we rely on a third-party pastry API, and we want to simulate it because it's provided by a third party. It costs each and every time we ask pastry. So we want to mock this to be able to, to develop and to test in isolation. Okay, just uh, is there an, actually an API I can use to order pastries somewhere? For real? Uh, you know? I don't know. Good question. Good question. Like cafe.io or something? Okay. Uh, maybe. Uh, okay. Maybe it's anyway, uh, or patisserie.io. <laughs> That's what we should do. Okay, never mind. Okay. Carry never on. mind. And so this order pass to rely on the third pass three, but we also have to provide a new API for our partners, for the online stores, for the ecosystem, so that they place new orders for ordering pastries. Okay. Mm -hmm. And each and every time we are placing order, we have to check availability of this pastry to yes to to reserve it. Yes. Okay. So typically, the first thing we want to do is to be able to uh, write a pastry API client using Spring mm -hmm. and to write a test to actually check that our client is correct. And if we mock this external pastry API, that everything is okay. Okay. Let's start with that. It's the mocking call. So we are writing a pastry API client. This is uh, this is using the REST template stuff. Ah, okay. old friend. <laughs> old friend, exactly. Uh, and the, the thing that is important is that we rely on a value that is injected, that is the base URL. So mm -hmm. this is the base URL of this third-party API. Okay. And here you can see 
basic method, getting a pastry, listing pastries regarding their size and so on. Okay. Yeah. So very, very easy. And uh, we have retrieved this open API uh, contract for this first party API and we have it at end. It is just right here. Let me check. It should be in the resources. Yes, here. Maybe it's a bit small, but you can see resources, third parties, I have, and I've got this API pastries open API contract right here. Right. Okay. So now just let me write uh, a GUnit test, okay, for my pastry API client. And what I'm going to do in this uh, GUnit test is to use a Microx container. So we rely on the test container integration. And at the beginning of our test, we are just going to pop up a new Microx container Okay, so that Microx can simulate our API for us. Okay. Okay. So this is your specialization of the test containers API. Exactly. I exactly. love test containers. We love them. We love them as well. Yeah. Yes. And one thing that is important is that during the setup phase here, maybe let me make this a bit bigger. We are going to import into the Microx container our uh, artifacts. So here we are going to import our uh, open API file. And we can also add some complementary stuff. So uh, for example, we can add Postman collection. So let's say here we just have basic stuff about the happy pass, about the basic pastries. Yeah. And here we've decided to enrich our data set of pastries with new pastries, with uh, <laughs> croissant, with I'm milk. So hungry. Exactly. And so this is the setup phase. Now, the thing that is important with a Spring Boot application is to being able to reconfigure our client and here we are going to ask microx for having a, a mock endpoint so we just ask microx give me a url for this third party api pastries and my version is 001 okay mm -hmm. then we are going to reconfigure our client so that our client will use this base url okay and just after that very easy so that's the thing that will get injected into the class and you're putting it in the environment by using the old uh, dynamic property registry exactly. there, and you're getting that from the test container. This is so old test container yeah. support from years ago. Works fine. I'm a very old Spring, uh, no, spring it works. developer, so I, I love it. Yeah, old but bad habits, maybe. Just, no, no, you're doing great. I'm just uh, rehashing so I can follow along. Okay. And so here I can just test that my client is working as expected. So yep. I can list pastries and checking the size of pastries regarding my data sets to check everything is okay. So. Here I can just run everything. Okay. It will launch a new JUnit test. JUnit. Launch a test container, feeding my crocs with all the artifacts, and that's okay. I've run my test and test my, my client is well written, is uh, is using this third party API very correctly. So can we see what the what it thinks it what, what's the endpoint? What's the HTTP code for that? Uh, if I look at the list, if I let the client.list pastries. Yeah. Uh, click on that, and yeah. then it's making a request to pastries forward slash size equals one two three four five whatever. Exactly. Uh, and then where's the open API definition the, there? The open API. Let's me open it again. So here you can see there is pastries. We got a, a get. Yeah. Uh, yes. Here with a parameter that is the size. Okay. Mm -hmm. Size should be in query. And here you can see that my. Uh, my open API file is embedding some samples for small, medium, and large batteries as well. So this is, this is the, the data that Microx is using to infer and create simulation on the flyer. Okay. 
Okay. And then uh, that's what it's the examples. Okay. And then exactly. response is you can see application here. JSON an array type. Okay. An array type. So here I got uh -huh. yes one small plus three two medium one and uh, two two large one. Okay. Uh -huh. So typically here in my uh, in my uh, test case just right here. This is why I am setting the size of the pastry I just retrieved. Yes, okay. okay. But this is a way that is very convenient, very fast to uh, isolate you from the outer world and to, to test. Well, just a good point. So why would I use, so is the idea that I, if this is if this were an actual API, the last thing I would want to do is to send requests. It's usually they're metered, they cost money. The last thing okay. you want to do is have your CI pipeline bring down your foreign third-party service integration, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. And of course, here we just have one third-party, but imagine when you are working in a microservice world with a ton of different microservices of different dependencies, sometimes it's a, it's a nightmare to set up everything on your machine. So this is, a, I think, a very elegant way of solving this issue, having everything. Right. And all you got to do is write your client in such a way that it, the URL is that it's using is pluggable. Yeah. Everything else is exactly the same as it would be otherwise. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And you can do this with the new REST client as well in the Spectrum yeah. 6.1. Yeah, typically. Yeah. Typically. Or the web client in the reactive world. Yes. So here, of course, we are using Microx in, typically in a headless way. So we're yeah. just using the API. But if you like Microx to and to be able to understand what he's doing under the hood and so on, you can also start a Microx instance and very, very easy. And you can mm -hmm. use also have this, uh, this UI so that you can uh, import your API definitions within Microx, and you can uh, have a look at how it feels regarding the different endpoints, the different samples, and so on. So, let me, for example, show you what it looks like with this uh, uh, this API pass tree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this pass tree API just right here. Okay, I can install it, install it into my Microx instance, and here, yes, we have an API pass tree. We have the Open API spec. What do you mean? We have installed into Microx instance. So typically we import the open API definition right. within Microx so that it oh. can analyze the definition and publish the, the different endpoints. So where is this thing that you're you're on a, you're in some sort of cluster right now, right? Yes, exactly. So you can you can deploy Microx in many different ways. So you can have ephemeral instances that are popped out in your in your unit test, in your test container pipelines, but you can also install it, let's say, on your Kubernetes cluster. Oh, so this is the same thing as the test container, but now we're interacting with exactly, Durable. exactly, and so, state. Okay, yeah, we see users in the community having different, yes, deployment topologies. So, for example, they may have um, always up and running instance that is that is really the, the source of truth for all the API in the yeah. organization, but they can also pop up ephemeral instances for doing isolated tested and so on. So presumably you've already configured this instance somehow, but in the test container example, we just use the Java API exactly. to configure what what mock it would what contracts it should mock for us. But here you can do it point and drag and drool. I can point and click and exactly. import things here manually. Exactly. Uh, in this marketplace of of APIs, where what is that? So, yes. So we got this hub. This hub is a marketplace when you can share your mock definition, when you can share your contracts. And typically you can choose to have this access to this public one. This is the public one where we, we provide also all the different samples, but you can also deploy a private instance within your organization. So if you have different teams that want to use microbes, 
it's very easy to have this hub and to say that, uh, let's say, the, the APIs that are promoted, that are rock solid, that can be promoted to the hub, and they can be made available to other, other developers. Mike rock solid. Micro solid, yeah, yeah, you get. Um, so okay, this is super interesting. Okay, but uh, so I use uh, Spring. Uh, yeah. One you can imagine. Uh, I use GraphQL a lot. I have lots of GraphQL schema laying around. I would love to have a, a way to advertise that schema so that others in my team can then consume that. Exactly. Like, how do I do? I just take the file that I created for you know schema.graphqls. Do I just import that here and now other other people can mock? Yes, exactly. My so, services API. So typically, the um, the hub it just connected on a Git repository. So okay. you can put your GraphQL schema on the Git repository. The hub analyzes this Git repository and can publish this nice UI where you can discover. And then just after that, your team can browse the hub and decide, yes, I want to import this GraphQL stuff into my micro instance. Is that the Neo4j movie API? And here, I've got a movie graph API. Yeah, we have all the different operations, <laughs> so I can have all the films and so on. So this is the same stuff, exactly. That's awesome. Oh, hello. Hello. Wow, that is so great. So, okay. And now I can mock that as well. I can... It's so, already mocked. Yeah, it's already mocked. So I would, in this case, I wouldn't use a test container. I would just point it. I'd set that URL, that property to point to this exactly. full URL. Is it, do I just copy and paste what's there? Yeah, or, or you can just use the what do I... the, the, the Java API. Let's say you can, uh, let's say you can just, for example, let's say you got a Microx container and you say, give me a GraphQL endpoint. And you what if you have more than one? Oh, also, oh, if you have a bunch of different GraphQL APIs, do they all get like flattened into one okay. GraphQL endpoint or what? So you have to import this GraphQL API using the Java one. And then you can retrieve the GraphQL lock endpoints. Right, but am I allowed to import more than one GraphQL? Yeah, sure. Schema? You can visit chain them. Yeah. So if I have like one GraphQL that has a top level type called customer and another one called customer, what happens? Mm -hmm. uh, typically, if this is the same version of the same API, Microx is merging the schema definitions. But if these schema are attached to different versions or to different uh, APIs, it will uh, create, create different endpoints for each version of your API. So how does Git GraphQL mock endpoint know what to give me then? Yes, because it depends on the artifact you import previously. So here you can just, let's say, import uh, a new file that is uh, my graph QR. Oh, so they're state there. Okay, so yeah. the first one informs the second uh, one. Yes, exactly. Let's say 0 0.1. I see. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't uh, understand. Graph QL. And here you can say just ask ask a mock endpoint for uh, my graph QL schema in version 0 0.1. And here you will have <laughs> a mock endpoint ready to use. <clears throat> and it directly corresponds to what you just stood up. Exactly. Can I do on the next line on line forty-two? Um, could I import another one as a main artifact and then get that GraphQL endpoint? Yeah, sure. So I can just keep adding yeah. things to this test container. And exactly. You can add multiple versions as well. Okay. So every every version that you wow. I'm sure that you are not introducing and, any breaking changes right now. So I could get access to the mock URL endpoints for as many client services 
as I need. Oh, yes, neat. Exactly. Okay, that's super cool. That's super cool. And this is, of course, a CNCF project. So it, it, the, the, test, the, the thing you're running, I imagine, is as easy as possible to get on Kubernetes. Yes, exactly. So we got a M chart for Kubernetes. We also have an operator, yeah. if you like operator stuff. So sure. really easy to deploy on Kubernetes. Oh, so the operator, was that like, can it, does it auto scale or what is it? What's the trick it does? Yeah. So basically, uh, the operator allows uh, uh, setting up the microservices. Uh, also, if you want to use Microx for uh, asynchronous APIs, it relies also on Kafka. So um, typically, the operator set up a Kafka cluster for you, under the hood, configures everything, and also configures all the things related to ingress stuff if you want to have access to grpc ingress and so on. Uh, this is kind of complex most of the time so we are yes hiding this complexity in the in the operator and and we also have quite a lot of adopters who are let's say very strong on developing uh you know everything on top of communities with a strong GitOps approach and then we can have microx and, and use custom resources for microx and do and set up the way they would like wow uh, that's highly scalable but also very highly flexible. Uh, so typically, this is the deployment we've got on Kubernetes after the, the the operator. And typically, on a Kubernetes cluster, you want also to secure stuff. So you may use Keyclock for uh, securing the access to micro instance, having uh, some airbag rules also to to prevent teammates for uh, yes deleting your jobs and so on. Yeah. So okay. this is this is very appropriate to a much complex deployment of right my, as is typical in large organizations with lots of exactly apis that want to advertise and consume and exactly. so on exactly yes okay sure. very 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 cool yeah. uh this and this is all since it's just a kubernetes it would work very well in time to application uh platform the, the kubernetes yeah. platform as well and yeah uh, kubernetes flavors yeah the one you like neat okay yeah and maybe we can also, uh, yes, explain you the second use case because yeah. we've just done the first part right here. Being mindful that it, we have like a precious few minutes until lunch starts breaking out. Okay. And so, no amount of AI will keep all that noise away. So <laughs> we have to go fast. Okay. So we are going super fast. So the second part of the uh, of the use case, now we have done the mocking of this part, but here we have also deployed, uh, developed an API here. And we want to be sure that we did not introduce any breaking changes on this API. Right. And so, for example, we have deployed, uh, developed this order controller so that you can place new orders. And how we are going to test that. And we can do that using also test containers with Microx. So this is my order controller contract test. Here again, I will start a new Microx container. And you can see that I will fit it with two artifacts. The main artifact that is the, the schema, the open API definition for the order service, and the other one that is the definition for the third party we rely on. So in fact, we are going to do an end-to-end -end test by mocking the third party and yes, calling the whole invocation chain. And what I'm going to do right here is just to have a, a spring test. So it's start the whole application, okay? And here I can just call my crocs and ask microbes to do a contract test using this API definition, mm -hmm. using the test endpoint, that is the one that is provided by my, by my Spring Boot application. And I want to apply an open API schema validation 
on the question and the response I received. Right. And you can see that's very easy. So I can also just ask my clocks to realize this test, get a test result, and then check that everything is okay. So if everything is okay, it just takes a few milliseconds. Everything is okay. But imagine, okay, I've, uh, I'm a lazy developer and I have uh, forgotten to include, let's say, the total price of the order in the response, okay? But I expect a total price, okay? So I'm not conformant to the contract here. And you will see that here my test will see that the response of the API is not conformant to the contract, that possibly you may have introduced a change. We'll see here. Typically, I have introduced, I am missing a required property right here. The total price. It's yeah. small, but yes, you can just play it around and you can see. So as a developer, I can easily fix it and be sure that now everything is okay. Ah, okay. So very convenient for doing contract testing, but in the inner loop, yeah. in shift left, you do not have to wait for the CI CD. You do not have to wait, obviously, to be in production to realize that you have breaked everything and the consumers can no longer invoke your API. I love it. I love it. And I also, I think there's a, oh, this is, this would be very cool. I imagine during development as well, I could, uh, we should talk about connection details in a minute, but uh, yeah, this is really great. I really appreciate you. Uh, I, I hope people got what they wanted out of this conversation. I don't see a ton of questions. I think people are just, uh, just very happy to learn about this thing. Um, let's give them a few minutes here to yeah. dump their questions before we're forced to, like there's going to be a deluge. Yeah. We're at, we're at DevOps. Like I said, DevOps is this amazing. We're DevOps uh, Belgium. Although I don't know which one is larger now. I wonder which one. Is it France or Belgium? I think Belgium is still larger. Okay. Because, uh, yeah. We have uh, something like 1,040. Uh, yeah. 400 attendees in France. But I think Belgium is still larger. Yeah. Either way, they're both uh, amazing. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, a couple hours by train at worst, you know. <laughs> Either way. There's no... Uh, and just maybe regarding the latest news, uh, as we were dealing about test containers, our official module is online since yesterday. Yeah. So we're very happy to promote it during this week as well. And uh, that's brand new. And we are very, very happy about this new partnership with Atomic Jar. Hey, great. That's amazing. Uh, congrats. I love this. Well, good. So if people wanted to go learn more, I guess the answer's right there. MikeRocks.io. So M-I-C-R. OCKS.io. Um, I'm going to try to do a thing here. Uh, Rocks.io. Paste this. But there you go. So the, the link to the, to the test container. Oh, yeah. Put that in the chat. Oh. And Promote join us on GitHub. Uh, stars are appreciated. More than welcome. Where did you put it? Did you paste it? Well, pasted it here, but that's uh, failed. Oh no! Maybe we are running late. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's an upper bound. I think there's a yeah. lower bound. Okay, yeah, wait. Maybe. So what's the uh, so test containers that or what is it? Respect uh, module slash microx. Uh, modules. Just search. 
Don't worry, people. We got this. Mm. Oh, you have to spell. Did I do something? It's the Jews and my Yeah, there we are. Le voila. All right. Whoa, that's an ugly URL. Did you see what they just did to me? Ignore all that. That's horrific. <laughs> This one is better. Cool. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. Everybody, thanks for hanging out. I'm yeah. glad you got something. It was a great session. Really appreciate it. It'd be a yeah, really cool so tool. Much. Very quick and very easy and very uh, obviously useful. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Thank uh, you very much. Thanks, uh, Josh. It was a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate yeah, you. Sure. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Bye bye, everybody. Stick around. I'll be doing a lot more live streams this week. A beautiful podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.